welcome you to uh, the uh, part four, the series, Growing and Knowing. We saw some of what uh, Paul was showing us, that he had a heart to want to know Christ. And so today, we're going to go into the portion of knowing the grace of God. How does the knowing of God's grace help us to grow, uh, in not only in the knowledge of him, but also grow mature-wise, being complete? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So I do know that the more we know of God and his love for us, the more we grow in our understanding and the more we sh it should affect the way we live. Now that is the ultimate, you know, the end result of knowing God. It should be that it affects the way we live. And so that's why growing and knowing, we know that it means that it should be a desire in our hearts that when we uh, accumulate knowledge, we, it becomes more than just information. But how do we bring it to that place of being more than just information? Many of us have heard a whole lot of things about God. We know a whole lot of things, but has it affected our lives in a way that it actually gives, it, it, it affects our life in the way that we live and have our being and how we you know, interact with people, where, you know, a lot of times that ripple effect is not happening. Now, Blackaby said that if we know him, that deep knowledge of, you know, that exact truth that comes from the Word of God, because the truth says, the Word of God says that truth sets us free, and that we get uh, familiar and acquainted with that truth, it should produce other things. Now, Blackaby says that if we know him, our love for him will cause us to believe him, and then to trust him in such a way that we obey when he reveals himself to us. So when we do life, there are many times God reveals his heart, his will, his ways. But so many times we understand God is asking us to stop something or to do something, but we just don't know how does that knowledge affect how I do life. And so that is what we're going to be talking about. Growing and knowing. How do we know what part does grace have in that growing and knowing? Does it have a part? Well, for me, I'm here to tell you that if you're asking me if it does, if it's, it's, it's you know, it's a major thing, I'm going to tell you, yes, grace has everything to do with it. Grace is the key. Now, 2 Peter 1, 2, if you want to go to the next, uh, the next, um, oh, you know, the other one, please. Did I go too fast for you? I did. I didn't. I sorry. Sorry. We changed some things around. But 2 Peter 1 2 says that God may give you grace and peace and multiply it to you in order to have good works. So it multiply that grace and peace. So God desires to multiply that. So it says grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And so see the knowledge should increase that grace and peace in our life. But there are times we don't see peace in people's lives. They say they know God, but there's very little peace, very little joy, very little rest, very little love. And we need to understand that God's grace wants to flow through our lives. And sometimes there's just some information that we're missing. Today, my desire is to give you what is, what's the key about knowing the grace of God. What part does it do in helping us become all that we should be? So let's just bow our heads and pray that God would help us today. Uh, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling, you know, that you're bombarded with a whole bunch of things, I'm going to tell you it's because the enemy doesn't want you to hear this message. 
I think it is probably one of the bigger things that helped me as I, I, I gradually understood God's grace, how it helped me to move forward in victory because I started realizing that his empowerment is what I need. And there are things that I did in my life that I needed to get rid of because it was hindering his grace. So let me bow the head and just ask God to come. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you because you are great. You are awesome. You are here with us today. God, I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would come and touch our ears, our heart, and our understanding, that you would send a spirit of wisdom that would just open up this scripture. I ask, Lord, that you would just give me the ability to deliver this word as you want me to deliver it. I need your help, and I acknowledge my, uh, my help, my, my, my need of you today, Holy Spirit, and I'm asking that you would just help me just, just do this message as you want me to. I'm also praying, Lord, for a special grace on those that are hearing this message, those that are in person, and those that are listening, and I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, the first question we would ask ourselves is, what is grace? Now, grace is unmerited mercy that God gave to humanity by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to secure man's eternal salvation. It was a big, big thing, but we see this, the truth of this, in Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means that because we are forgiven, because we're accepted, we can enter into his presence because of our faith that we believe that what Jesus did on the cross and he rose again, we are permitted to enter into his presence now. This is what he says in verse two, through whom also we have what? Access by faith into this grace in which we stand. It's not Sometimes stand, we stand. It's a definite. We stand in it and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So this gives us a confidence to be in his presence. Hebrews says that we can enter in the, the, the throne of grace with confidence when we're in trouble. And those things happen because we have faith in what Jesus has done. Now, grace, God's grace is central element to understanding and appreciating God for who he is. No one can genuinely grow in the relationship with God without first coming to the realization of how gracious God is. Grace is defined as unmerited favor given to the undeserving. I was undeserving of this special gift of salvation. I was undeserving receiving God's love and his grace and his mercy. But Jesus made me deserving. Jesus made it all right. He justified. He made me right before God. So it doesn't matter how many mistakes I make today. Because I am already justified, I'm, I have his righteousness. And because I am forgiven, accepted, adopted, and I could go on and on, that those are all the things that grace brings in our life. Many, if not all things that we enjoy, you and I, day to day, on a day-to-day -day basis, are the result of God's grace. Everything we have 
is because God has provided and, and given us so many things. See, God's grace has various facets. And we know that the most evident of, the, of God's grace is the first two that we hear quite often, God's common grace and saving grace. But after, when we are saved, and it's called saving grace for a reason, I'm going to show you, then there are other graces that come in that are provided by God that flow through us because now we are now a child of God. Now, God's common grace is the gift to God to all mankind. So I'm going to put this here. So this is mankind is the bowl, and God's grace is the gift that he gives to all mankind. We see this principle in Matthew uh, 5.45 where it says, For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on, on the just and on the unjust. See, we were all created in his image, but we're not all saved by grace. We, are all, we can all experience this common grace, either you're a Christian or a non-Christian. He gives provision, the blessing of life and abundance because that's just who he is. Now, we live in a fallen world, so we see a lot of uglies, but that's not God doing that. God bestows upon us blessing. And so that's common grace. He does that with everybody. And so what we know to be true is that here, when he pours it out, everybody feels that. And that's why sometimes when we go through something, we feel like, and sometimes when people say, when I was going through something, I was enabled to do something in particular. And you said, I felt God's presence. That's God's common grace. But it doesn't mean that you are in part of his family yet. Now, for believers, we have a lot, we, ha we have come, we had common grace, but now when we become saved, we actually fall into the place where it's called saving grace, where it has very many facets that follow us. Now, saving grace brings us to what I'm going to be talking about today is sanctifying grace. Now, sanctifying is a big word. We don't even use it. You know, we don't say, hey, have you been sanctified today? No, because it's not a word that we use commonly. Sanctifying means that God set us apart. God set us apart, and he actually goes after all of the sin that's in us and sets us free from all of those things. So you've got sanctifying grace, and then you have serving grace. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And so this is what we're going to be doing in a few minutes as the service goes on. Saving grace is God's grace coming towards you. Do you remember when you were not you're not, you, you knew of God, you knew, had information, but you had not really surrendered your life to God. I remember when it happened to me. I mean, I had a, a Christian student in my in a nursing who would speak of God all the time. I had a, 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 a teacher who was a Christian as well who would tell me she was praying for me all the time. And, and then I had my sister, and all of these things got me wondering if I was really on the right path. And it brought me to that place where I saw my need of God where I surrendered and knew that I needed something bigger than myself to fix the brokenness in my life. And so that, when that happened, saving grace came into play. The promise, and that's a promise to all those who believe. Saving grace comes to, when, to you when you first hear the gospel and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. So let me show you what that looks like. Now, they gave me something to make it easier, but I don't know if it will. So I made a real mess this morning. So let me show you if I can do this again, the mess. 
So remember, it's the world now. I am, through faith, saved by grace. And what God does is that he actually now pours his grace in my life to affect, and I'm making a mess again, to affect other people and to actually change me from inside out. And so this is faith, and God's grace comes in. Before then, it was only common grace. Now I have saving grace over my life because by faith, I believe that God sent his son, that he was uh, on the cross on Friday and was uh, rose again three days later. And because of that, I actually experienced the grace of God, saving grace over my life. Now, saving grace empowers us to repent to change our ungodly ways. And furthermore, what it does is it actually, it brings us to that place of understanding that we are truly forgiven. And that by faith, I can actually, even when I make a mistake, when I'm, I'm not doing what I should, I know because of the grace of God, I'm under grace now, not under the law, that God will give me a way out. He will show me what to do. So when I know that when I understand that saving grace is what drew me to God and saving grace is what will keep me in the days to come. Now, remember, the sanctifying grace, this is what I want to talk to you about, which is the driving force to change me from the inside out. God sends this only when I am born again. He sends it, he says, the sanctifying grace is what comes to you after you have made that decision. It comes to help you work out all of the things in your life that is not Christ-like, and it calls you to become an overcomer. And what happens, that strength comes into play, and it initiates things in your life, and it's like God says, no matter what goes on, no matter what you see, the error in your life, the sin, God says, let me pour my grace, and I will work all of that through you. I will do the work through sanctifying grace. It is a wonderful gift that God gives us because we try to modify our behavior in our own strength, and that is just disaster. But when we don't understand that God wants us to let this saving grace, because you see, remember, he said, grace and peace I'll multiply according to the knowledge of God in the Son, Jesus Christ. So the more I get to know that, the more I go exactly where God wants me to go. Paul Tripp says this, grace reaches us where we are and takes us where God wants us to be. You see, God's not simply content to give you salvation and then leave you all alone until eternity. Many of us think that. We think that, okay, I'm saved now, i got to do all this by myself. No, you're forgetting the sanctifying grace, the grace that sets us apart, the grace that gives us the empowerment, the enablement to change is, is what God wants to give us. And so when, when this starts happening, he sends his grace and it works inside me to purify my thoughts and my intent to change my heart. God doesn't want to keep us the way we are. And so he says, he sends his grace to change, to help, to mature, to become complete. It's where you come to a place where you're lacking nothing because you are, you, you generally feel the joy of your salvation. You're, you're fulfilled and content because of it. So, so what stops the flow? What stops that flow from getting through, from doing the work that it said it was going to do? What stops the flow? 
What has happened that where you can watch the people in the church that says that they're Christian, but yet they're still in bondage after year of knowing who God is? What happened to them where they're still captive to things that have drawn them so different places? What has broken that flow of grace going through them? Well, we see it in Scripture. Scripture says that we can fall short. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. We can fall short of grace. It says here, looking carefully, lest anyone what? Fall short of what? The grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, by this many become defiled. If I were to try to pour, will that grace come out? Will it do what it was supposed to be? Would it do what it was supposed to do in us? See, if you inwardly rebel against God, God's grace, you'll begin to get bitter. If you continue to resist God's sanctifying grace, that bitterness will eventually spring up and affect all of your other relationships. That means it will bring bad attitude and behavior into play. There will be some manifestations that will destroy the trust in your marriage and your relationships. And this is why it says that it will defile many. Now, he talked about the bitterness that will fall short of grace. But the scripture has a whole lot of warning about what happens to this grace. He says in Galatians, you have several places in Galatians, you have several places in Jude and Corinthians. He says this, that you can actually nullify the grace of God, that you could reject, prevent, even insult the spirit of grace because you went to a different gospel. Now, I'm telling you, we live in a society and in the world and even the church that have actually mixed the gospel, they got brought in a little bit of what they wanted and a little bit of God. Let me tell you, when this happens, you kink your hose. There are many reasons why we prevent, why we reject, and we have to go after those things that have caused the, our faith to kink, our inability to let grace flow out. See, God's grace brings conviction and then empowers you to change and to become just like uh, Christ. If we reject it, if we reject what God is going after that's causing your hose to kink, if we resist it and we refuse to let God do this, what we're saying is, no, thank you. I don't want your grace to flow me, flow through me. Because when grace doesn't flow, there's no change. When grace doesn't flow, there is no growth. So I need to know this reality today that there are certain things in my life, certain beliefs, certain things that keep that God's grace to flowing in me so I can change. So if we reject it, our heart becomes hardened and then we have absolutely no conviction of what we're doing. That's why God has to send me. And when he has to send me, it's because you're not listening to the Holy Spirit and you're not realizing your hose is already kinked. But God's goodness and his love, he'll pursue you. He'll bring you back to his bosom and he'll continue to do this. But we have a free will, don't we? And we can choose to say yes to God and we can choose to say no. But a lot of times we actually look at the problems on the outwards. Well, if only if my marriage was different, if only if I had this, then maybe I'll, I, I'd be able to change. No, beloved, it's not the externals that will change the inside of your heart and those issues. It is the grace of God. So we need to go after what is stopping 
the flow of God's grace. Because he says it has to, it's going to multiply. If it hasn't multiplied in your life, if peace is not something that you experience on a daily basis, if joy has gone out the window, something has interfered, has hindered. Like the scriptures say, maybe you fell away somewhere. Maybe you rejected maybe a, a direction that God was sending you. And you say, no, I can't do it. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not sure. And I remember someone told me one day, you know, I like what you said, but I don't believe God is asking me this. And I said, well, was it the word of God? Yes. And so if the word of God tells you to do that, then you're not fighting against me. You're fighting against God. My grievance and my, 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 my sense of sadness was that he never understood this was happening. That means that person will remain the same, never change, never get free. Who doesn't want to be free here today? Who doesn't want to be transformed and changed? Just moving forward so that God could actually move through you. None of you would say, no, I think I like the way I'm at. No, no, no. All of us would say, God, no, I, I, I've, I've known you. I've read your word. Why is it I'm not experiencing this freedom? Why is it that I can't love this person? Scripture tells us that there are certain things, but it also tells us there's attributes that helps us unkink the hose. There's attributes that help us, you know, let God, his grace flow through. And I love these attributes. There's many of them. And the only one that I really want to actually focus on is surrender today. Surrender is something that I've realized in my life. Remember what Blackaby said, when I get to know God, you know, when I get to know someone, my love increases, doesn't it? I mean, when you get to know someone, you kind of like them more, hopefully, yeah? You like them and you love them, and then all of a sudden that you kind of like believe them and you, you want to trust them, and all of these things follow through. Well, it's the same thing with our relationship with God. You see, today I want to, uh, to us to focus on surrender because the lack of it, indicates a trust issue. And if you have a trust issue, that means you will never actually be able to surrender. You would have issues with surrender. Now, if you're not surrendering, that means there's a trust issue. That means it usually goes back to there's a belief issue. And then when, when you deal with the belief issue, it's really about the love issue because we love ourselves more than we love God. And then we can turn back to understanding that if I don't know the reality of who God is and what his grace can do in my life, that I will be stuck in this vicious cycle. And so that's why we have to have the correct knowledge of who God is. And we have to be intimate with it. We have to be acquainted with it. You see, it's not enough for us to just know about God. Many of us know about God. It has to be something more. We come to trust him when we know him by experience. You see, when I know God, when I believe him, when I surrender, when I trust him, when I obey him, all of these things are happening. But the beautiful thing is, at the end of it, I encounter God like I've never encountered him before. And when I encounter God, there will always be change. See, many of us have been praying for years that God would change your heart of bitterness. But beloved, I'm quite certain God already showed you what you needed to do. You see, your hose has been kinked long enough. And God said, because you don't want to let go, because you always make excuses why you won't trust, then you need to understand the only person that gets affected is you. That means we will stay without change and transformation for however long. So surrender is about, 
is the key to bringing about this experience. So what does surrender look like? Now, as unnatural as it may feel, you and I are created to consciously surrender control over our lives to God. Control, surrender our hearts, our minds. So if our minds are not thinking like God and we embrace it, what are we doing? Is that we're going against what God is trying to tell us. And so he, we are constantly asked to surrender our hearts, our minds, our body and spirit to God. We don't surrender to a theory, beloved. We don't surrender to the cosmos or to a force. We surrender to the only one true God that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is the one that has created us. He's the one that has loved us. And he has placed us in a place to draw us to himself so that he can care for us forever. How do you think he does that? By sending his grace, by calling you to let go and to let him flow in you so that you can be free from what has captivated you. So we know that most believe that surrender is a one-time deal. You come to the Lord and you say yes by faith and you say, that's it. Then I'm just going to wait until heaven comes. No, 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 no. That's a bad belief system. God is a personal God and he's made a plan to walk by your side. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So surrender to God is not a once and for all or do-it-yourself exercise in self-will. It's an offering that continually is undertaken in the context of relationship. The one I am surrendering myself to is no stranger to me. We don't have to worry that he will abandon us or that he will fail or, or that when we badly, uh, when we have bad behavior, that he'll just, you know, leave us. No, because he didn't choose to love us on the base of our performance. He didn't choose us that way. And so the relationship we have with him rests entirely on his faithfulness and his merit, not our own. So there are many times I hear many people say, well, I don't believe God can give me what I need. That tells me that there is a belief problem. And usually if I trace it back, it's a knowing problem. And that's why it's so important that we not only read the word, but we study the word. The word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It comes to deliver you and set you free. And so why does the enemy keep you busy and distracted? Because as long as he has you out of the word, you will actually create other avenues in your life that will do this to your Christian walk. And when this happens, then you will not know the understanding of the reason why God is going after the error in your life, why he's pointing to the sin. You see, when God brings conviction of the sin or error, he always empowers you and shows you out. That's what conviction does, because God never convicts to punish. No, that's condemnation. Condemnation comes and say, oh, look at you. You'll never make it. You don't understand. You, you'll always be like this. This is your lot. No, there's nothing in the word of God that tells me this. And if I am a vessel surrendered, God can do anything through me and set me free from whatever that has captivated me. God knows. Condemnation leaves you hopeless. Conviction leaves you with a sense of joy and hope because you know God is not leaving you like this. He wants to bring you out. The more we trust, the more we surrender, the more we follow. Surrender is always uh, precedes obedience. And when obedience happens, the encounter happens. Now, 
The knowledge becomes not just knowledge or information, it becomes a reality. Is God good? Because you actually surrendered, you truly start experiencing he's good. See, without obedience, we can never encounter God the day-by-day events in our lives. Many of God's children only know him by by name, but not by experience. And the reason for that is mainly their inability to surrender. It's a trust issue because we don't want to give God control of our lives. Now, the only way we can do this is by developing an attitude of, uh, or a disposition of surrender. I need you to remember the connection between the sanctifying grace and surrender and the evidence of, of growth. See, many times we don't grow because something has kinked our hose. Now, remember what I said. Saving grace is God's grace coming towards you. Sanctifying grace is what sets us apart. Is God's grace working in you, and now I want to talk about serving grace, which flows through you to make Jesus real to the world around you. Again, many people can't see Jesus in our life because something has prevented it. It doesn't come out. But when God shows you why you're like that, did you see that? It comes out. God and his infinite love has made a way for you. Now, serving grace is activated by faith. Faith is when God reveals himself. When he does reveal yourself, when he's asking you to do something, you get up and you begin to do whatever God has showed you to do. And even though you're not sure what the end is going to look like, because sometimes we have to have all of our ducks lined up. That's not faith. That means you don't really need God. You just need yourself to make sure that everything is lined up for you. But faith tells me that I trust that God, when he tells me something, I'm going to do it. God has given every one of us graces to serve with, but some of those graces are stuck inside and held captive because you're waiting for everything to be just right before you invest, before you serve, before you love, before you forgive. It has to be just right. It'll never happen. We don't trust God, so we end up doing it our way. Another hindrance of serving uh, serving grace is fear. It will keep you from surrendering and obeying. The result is that you never experience God the way you used to, or maybe never have. I'm not too sure. Only God could show you that today. I'm going to give you an example, and I've already asked that person if it's okay if I could. I have Alex, who has been with me since last August. He he lives with us because he's interning with us. And what's happened is that we've been together and walking this journey together. And so he's learned a lot. He knows a lot about who I am, how I respond and how I do things. He's come to love me. I think Uh, he's not here to to prove it, but I think he does. And he's come to believe that when I say I'm going to be home at a certain time, I'm usually home at a certain time. And he's come to trust me. But a few weeks ago, something happened and I woke up and I I received a burden from the Lord. And when I do, unfortunately, I cry and that crying usually wakes up the whole house. And so my children have gone through this with me before and my husband. So they came and did what they do. They came and surrounded me and prayed for me. And Alex was already up and he saw me cry and he saw me in need. And I was just praying for the Lord and the Lord would, you know, just to touch me. And my, my children were there and he couldn't do it. He ran to the living room. Now, I didn't put the two and two together. 
I didn't take offense or anything. And then after it all finished, about 30 minutes after the whole event, he came in and he was in tears in his eyes and he said, I couldn't do it. I said, you couldn't do what? I couldn't come. I couldn't come to comfort you because I was afraid that you would reject my comforting. I went, oh, Alex, God gave you an opportunity so that you can get to know me. Now you'll have to wait for another opportunity because if he never actually pushes against his fear of rejection, then how will he ever get to know me? I had told him that I would not abandon or rejected him, but how will he ever know that I won't do any of those unless he surrenders his fear and he obeys the opportunities that God gives him? And so that particular moment, he didn't obey it. The fear won out, and he had a kinked thing until he actually confessed it and repented and said, God, I want to learn how to trust her like this. And so he came to that realization. When God shows you a place to serve, all you have to do, or to even love, or to be part of someone's life, you have to step into it by faith. As you keep walking, the grace of God will get stronger and stronger in your life. God's grace intervenes to give us power and strength. It gives us the ability to do what we're called to, and it also brings us to where we need to be. See, I call it my overcoming grace because when I need to overcome something, I need to make sure nothing is kinking my hose. And so I go and ask God, God, is there anything that I picked up? You know, maybe a fear or an insecurity or a lack of belief or a, a disbelief that I might have picked up because I need God's flow. To his grace to flow through me, not only to change me from the inside out, but also to help me serve him in his kingdom, to show the world who Jesus is. And I know that I can overcome my fear, anxiety, and unbelief as I walk in God's grace and serve him and his kingdom. Why? Because of this verse. The verse says in 2 Corinthians 12, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. See, we think weakness is a bad thing. To God is a good thing. It only becomes a bad thing when you actually go to your own self to try to fix it. It becomes a good thing when you realize you need God's grace. So don't kink your thing by going to your self-help. Don't go to your defaults because you won't have the flow of God's grace going through you. It won't be activated. That means it'll be a chore to serve people. It'll be a chore to love and to, you know, to just do what you need to do. I can surrender my life and serve in any capacity when I'm confident that the one I surrender is really my king and my warrior. If I believe that, the longer I walk with God, the more certain I become this is true. The more time I spend in his presence and with his people, with his word, the surer I am of his wisdom and his loving care. And so I don't want to do this. So when I have issues, I go after it and say, God, you know, why is it am I angry? Why is it that I have a wall? Well, then God in his infinite love and grace, he sends his Holy Spirit to say, hey, this is the issue. You need to deal with it. If I'm smart, that's what surrender does. Surrender is not a place of weakness. It's a place of strength. When I see him for who he is and trust his character, I don't have to be my own ruler anymore. 
If my God is good, then he is trustworthy to me. He knows me, he loves me beyond measure, and he is faithful to keep his promises over me. So let me finish with this. Lori Story, I don't know if you know her. She's a songwriter and she writes books. Excellent testimony. If you, you read about her or even the song called The Blessing, it's about a song that she wrote when she found out her husband had cancer. And they had, there were newlyweds, you know, and, and they had plans and expectations and longings and dreams. And all of a sudden, they were, you know, godly people who, you know, did the kingdom work. But she found herself face to face with uh, troubles, <laughs> struggles. Oh, God, why now? Because they knew once they operated, you know, he had to go through chemo and they operated, that he would come back never the same. You know, so she says this, the life God is calling me to requires living with open hands, trusting him day by day with the smallest of details and the greatest of struggles. He invites each of us as his children to embrace the lifestyle of surrender, releasing control to him and believing he is who he says he is and he will always be forever the same. You see, as I said, I'm not surrendering to somebody I don't know. And if you've got any good teachings, you won't be surrendering to someone you don't know neither. The fear, the disbelief, the bitterness, all of those things, they kink our ability to actually be enabled to walk beyond those things. Alex needs to push through the fear the next opportunity he has. He needs to believe that God will give him that grace to learn how to love someone even though he doesn't know how that other someone will respond. Because it's all about God. None of us surrender just once. On this side of eternity, we will never be done with surrender because it is not a one-time decision. So it is impossible to accept anything from God when you're holding on too tightly to something else. Let me tell you, we think that if we hold on to things, possessions, relationships, more than God, that we're going to be okay. No, what happens is that we get kinked. We don't grow. But when you know that God is who he says he is, and then when he says you need to let go in order for you to receive what I have for you, then that's where surrender comes into play. I let go one thing at a time, one issue, one attitude. And when my hand is open, I receive what God has for me. It's a commitment to a lifestyle every day will bring us to new opportunities to offer our surrender to God and to let something go. What about you? What about you? What has God asked you to let go of? Because sometimes we actually hide behind our coping mechanisms, our self-sufficiency, our self-preservation. Beloved, what happens is that the flow of God's grace, the grace that goes after the error or the wrong beliefs, cannot do what it needs to do. God wants you to experience him and his grace. He wants you to be transformed and bring change in your life. He wants to restore. But when we resist, we what we do is we nullify the grace. We prevent grace from coming into our life and to do first, to change us from inside out, to change our behavior, our perspective, and then our, beha- uh, and then our thoughts. 
but also to we prevent others to see, from seeing Jesus in us. If you long to be transformed, surrender is the key. You must go after everything that has prevented or caused you to fall short of God's grace. This is our part, beloved. And when we know those areas, all I have to do is confess it and say, God, I don't trust you in this area, but the word of God says this is what you're going to do. I'm opening my hand. I'm letting go of the fear, and I'm letting you in. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It's a promise. And God is able to make what? All grace abound towards who? You that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And we thought it was about us. And we thought it was about our skill and our talent. God says, oh no, I gave you those, but it's about the empowerment. It is about what is stopping God from letting you be used the way you should. If you trace it back, I can guarantee it's things that are inside that are unresolved. God is waiting for you. God is saying, you can follow your own knowing, your own belief to the very end, but you will never tap in to what I have for you. And that is not a choice for me. I've made my decision. Today and every day, I surrender thoughts, beliefs, fears, attitudes, and sometimes I just pick up things I shouldn't be picking up. How about you? But I don't fear that because I'm under grace. And God has a way out every time. When I repent and turn back to him, he does what he needs to do, and I experience him anew. When Alex decides to use the opportunity to really get to know me by experience, and he pushes through his fear, then he'll get to experience me as I am. It's the same way with God. Many of us, we know of him, but we don't really know him. And I believe this whole series was a, a beginning of shaking this foundation. Some foundations were not very good. And God said, I have loved you with an infinite love and an everlasting love. I have given you mercy and compassion and forgiveness. Now I need you to embrace these truths. I need you to develop this surrendering attitude because surrender is about us experience God and the supernatural. I don't know about you, but when you meet up with God, you come out of it differently. If you've experienced the inability to move forward because of fear, I'm telling you, God is here for you. If you have embraced thoughts and beliefs about God that are not based on this word, the word is very clear, take it captive. They're vain imagination, pretensions that have risen up against God. If you have let some things happen in your life and compromise, compromise has come, then you're preventing the grace of God to flow through you. You need to go after these issues. God is not angry. He loves you. If he showed you something, brought you conviction today, it's never to punish, but it's to set you free. And all you have to do is, yes, here I am. I'm letting go, and I'm letting you replace what I've let go. Amen? Let me, let me pray for you today.
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you that you are great, you're awesome, and you are able. I'm asking God for a supernatural move to come, up, to come upon your people here in person, but also those that are online. God, so many have been so tripped up by these wrong beliefs about you and about how the Holy Spirit functions and, and your grace. We have no idea. It's like an iceberg, God. It's We've just touched the tip of it. But I'm asking God as of today that we would realize how gracious you have been, that, you, that we would realize how loving you have been to us and that you're for us, not against us, God, that you desire us to have the abundant grace that you've given us, that you would multiply the peace in our life and the joy and the strength that comes from only a surrendered vessel. God, we fight you every turn. But I'm asking God that you would rise up a people that would surrender everything quickly and open their hands quickly to the only one that could save, to restore, sanctify, and redeem. God, I thank you for what you've done by sending your son. If there's anybody who doesn't know the son first, God, I'm asking, Lord, that they would go and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, that they would receive and know that they yet they are sinners needing forgiveness and redemption. God, and then they would experience that, it, you know, just that acceptance of you and what you've done for them. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're going to do. And I know that we will have a lot of testimonies in the days to come of your power flowing through your people. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming out. May God bless you. May he keep you. I hope that you just don't get this, this knowledge as information. I hope something shifted in your life today. Thank you for coming out.